0: Oh hey, didn't see you there. Welcome to Secondary Fermentation, episode number 57. We're back after a little break there. Skipped an episode. Uh, I had a little bit of a throat infection issue or something. Some sort of sinus infection, but my throat was all jacked up. Uh, so we delayed recording and just figured we'd take a little break and come back to the next episode. So, as usual, I am joined by Nick. What's up? And that's it. Elsie is not in the studio today. As usual. Lauren's not here. As usual. Wow. She's only 37 weeks pregnant. Oh, gosh. It's hard for me to sit. I can't breathe. Pregnancy. (laughs) There's a baby on my bladder. (laughs) Uh, And this is Joe. Uh, Elsie, like we said, is taking a little break. Uh, Might not hear from her for a little bit since that baby is on the way. Yeah. but uh, Could be
1: any time now.
0: Yeah, Exactly. So we're, we're back, we're here, we're drinking a beer. Didn't mean to rhyme that, but I uh, went with it anyway. We've got Hopfly. What is the name of that beer? All Times. Oh, All Times. That's all I could see, but I thought there was more. <laughs> yeah. All Times. It's a New
1: Zealand-style pilsner, clocking in at 5.5%. And this is dry hopped with moteka and riwaka hops. So a couple of New Zealand hop varieties. So you get a really nice, crisp Pilsner beer at the base, but then these New Zealand hops really bring out like a a bit of like that piney
0: yeah, it's hop. Like, it's a little bit bitter. Bitter, a little almost resinous, but it's nice. It's like a little bit subtle. It's like almost uh, if you have a traditional Pilsner, that little floral bit of earthy bitterness. It's like just elevated just a little mm-hmm. notch. So it's, it's like a, just a bit more flavorful than a traditional Pilsner. Definitely not as
1: forward as an IPA that's been dry hopped where it's just, you know, a punch in the mouth of those lupulin oils and a lot of extraction from the hops, but definitely it it kicks it up a notch from Mm -hmm. a traditional Pilsner.
0: Yeah. It takes it to the hops are the star of the show pretty much on this. There's a little bit of malty Mm -hmm. caramel finish to it, but nothing too extreme, nothing really, uh, you know, I don't, I don't take a sip of this beer and then go, Mm, that's nice." Like multi sweet backbone, like it's there, uh, but it's mainly those hops are coming out at you full force. Oh yeah,
1: I think, I think the other New Zealand style pilsner that I've had was from Hot as well. I think they've been getting into that the last few years. You know, they really have a really solid repertoire of like IPAs and sours, but their pilsner game and their lagers are pretty top-notch as well. I think mm-hmm. they kind of fly under the radar. It's yeah. because, you know, <clears throat> sours are pretty universally loved by uh, a larger demographic of beer drinkers, and, and IPAs have always been just popular. So mm-hmm. I don't think you think about craft lagers a lot as far as, like, who makes a really good craft lager, but flies up there with with our local scene in yeah. uh, eastern North Carolina and in Charlotte because they're in two locations.
0: Yeah. You know who else makes a beautiful Pilsner lager beer? <laughs> and i said pilsner lager beer because utica club says that on their can oh yeah it confuses yeah. people all the time pilsner lager beer uh i was back home for a wedding which is you know pretty close to utica we we're in utica for a little bit and uh the guy was like oh utica club you know it's, it's it's like a pilsner lager i don't know why it says both of those on there i don't know. and uh I don't want to be like a jerk yeah. explaining it, but well, actually, kind of explained a little bit, <laughs> like why it says that. Uh, but Utica Club FX Matt Brewing, who also owns, you know, the Saranac brand and does a lot of contract brewing for Brooklyn Brewing, Flying Dog Brewing, uh, as well as others, and produces its own, I guess, uh, RTD cocktails and maybe even some ciders or not ciders but seltzers. It has a a brand of a variety of of alcoholic beverages. But they are now recently announced purchasing Flying Dog Brewing. Uh, Very interesting and uh, pretty cool because it takes them, I think right now, they're sitting in the number 23 seat for largest independent breweries in the United States. And once they purchase uh, Flying Dog, they will bump up to, I believe, number 10 by volume wow that's, they take, that's a big jump yeah so that's huge so little utica new york getting on the craft beer uh map with having one of the largest independent brewery breweries in the u.s
1: oh yeah yeah and it it kind of makes sense geographically because flying dog based in maryland they've got a really good hold on sort of the, the east coast i mean we see we see a ton of flying dog down here in North Carolina. And I'm sure they distribute up north as well, and so I think that kind of helps them, as in FX Matt, it kind of helps them grow their their distribution base a little bit too. And it's just a, a great brand that's already have has an established, I guess, set of flagship beers, and uh, you know, and they're a bit of a different. I don't want to say personality, but like Flying Dog itself as a brand is very unique. I think like they kind of have like this look to their you know, their beer graphics and their beer names that just is kind of like edgy almost. It's, um, it definitely stands out when you're at the store and you see a dog that's like, oh, here's the Raging Bitch IPA. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, they, they kind of have, I think, carved out their own little niche in the like eastern part of the oh, country sure. as far as craft beer. And I mean, def- definitely really popular as far as some brand recognition. So I think it oh, makes yeah. sense. It seems like huge, they're pretty yeah. excited about it too. The merger... I think for both parties, it's going to work out pretty
0: well. Yeah, yeah, and I saw some articles reading it was saying like it's a natural transition since uh, FX Matt's been doing some contract brewing for Flying Dog for a while, uh, just because they couldn't keep up with the volume at their their home facility. So pretty cool to see. You know, I mean, it's always sad to see breweries exchange ownership when they were built as a brand by the owner. Uh, But it's pretty cool to see it uh, go to another independent brewer uh, versus a, you know, Anheuser-Busch or a Miller Coors or or something along those lines. So I think it'll it'll keep Flying Dog alive in uh, spirit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it's not like they're going to be absorbed and then the brand just kind of... Disappear. Yeah, it's vanquished. Yeah. Actually, I was reading from Brewbound that uh, Flying Dog was the 34th largest... Brewers Association defined craft brewery by volume so they and their own right had a pretty good market shares um, and now they're joining with a, a familiar face and somebody who's you know in an upper tier and so it seems like they should definitely take over and uh, kind of get a good grasp on uh, some more shares this next year. Uh, so it sounds like August 1st is sort of the tentative start date of this acquisition to be finalized but um, I'm sure in the process there'll be a lot of yeah stuff going on behind the scenes
0: you know and I just thought about something too so uh, the owner uh, whose last name I just saw of Flying Dog George Stranahan it reminded me that there's Stranahan whiskey mm. that's in Denver or something I wonder if that is being affected by this purchase uh, but Stranahan's whiskey brand is a brand and it distributes all the way here to North Carolina we've, right. we've picked some up yeah. It's a single malt. Interesting,
1: yeah. I wonder if it does include anything besides the Flying Dog brand, but that'd be something to look out for.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, FX Matt's not in any distillery business. You know, they do uh, cider, you know, beer, a couple brands of beer, and then they have uh, those RTD cocktails. So, curious. I don't know if they're, they'll be getting in that way. So... Flying Dog was formed in the 1990s. FX Matt's actually been around for like 135 years or so. Yeah, prohibition uh, or pre-prohibition. Yeah, like 1888. Uh, and they they told some stories. You know, I did a tour there a couple years ago, and they, they talked about how uh, they basically survived by selling near beer in the stores where they would just have this. Basically, it'd be like unfermented wort that was ready to just be Ugh. inoculated with yeast, and then you could make beer at home. <laughs> But pretty cool, stayed alive, and now they've yeah. expanded, and they have a very cool. They have huge copper brew kettles in their facility, and would oh, be really cool to go there. Neat. Yeah, you guys
1: did a tour and mm-hmm. had me thinking about it. Kind of reminds me of like Sierra Nevada. They've got those you know old copper kettles and mm-hmm. just you know mass a massive scale operation, or some really old equipment. Yeah,
0: um, FX Matt definitely looks more industrial and not as beautiful as uh, the Sierra Nevada brewery. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely more like yeah this, this brewery just focuses on making beer yeah. and the tours are like okay <laughs> yeah. you can come through you gotta you step over some hoses and you're walking <laughs> yeah. through a freezing cold room you know go through some back ways it's, it's a pretty cool tour um, get to see some some neat stuff and you definitely get your, your walking in as you tour the facility um, but yeah it's huge speaking of purchases Appalachian Mountain Brewery, which we talked about a few episodes ago, I believe, in one of our buyout episodes, talking about how we didn't realize that they were owned uh, by Anheuser-Busch. They've recently announced that they are purchasing the brewery back from Anheuser-Busch. So, very uh, interesting turn of events, and not something I feel like we hear about very often. A craft brewery, original owners and founders buying it back from big beer
1: and it it is ironic the timing because we hadn't known this was already in place for years because uh sort of the history with Appalachian Mountain Brewing um obviously they were started independently and uh they've been in uh Boone North Carolina since 2011 uh they paired with the Craft Brew Alliance in 2014 and then in 2018 the Craft Brew Alliance acquired um acquired them and then when the CBA got extended to a partnership with AB InBev uh, that kind of then sucked A and B under the umbrella of Anheuser-Busch. So Mm -hmm. really since like 2018, they've not fully been independent. And we just didn't realize that because it just seemed like an independent brand this whole time. Now, here we are five-ish years later from their official acquisition. They're now buying their rights back to be fully independent. And it sounds like it's uh, actually a pretty... Pretty good move on both parties. It seems like there's not any kind of like Mm-mm. hostility there. And it seems like they, they walk away with a positive impression from their experience.
0: Yeah. And if you check out Appalachian Motonbury's um, website, they have a little bit of a kind of a press release on there that they talk about it. And it sounded mm-hmm. kind of like a very, you know, amicable ending of the partnership, uh, where they actually seem to value their time with Anheuser Busch and, and some of the things they learned there. But with this buyback comes the plans to build a new tap room in Mills River, North Carolina, which is where the Sierra Nevada facility is. So it'll be cool to have something else cool. uh, yeah. there. I feel it's just a little bit outside of Asheville. Uh, I'm not sure how far from Boone that is, because Boone's what an hour from Asheville-ish. yeah, so
1: yeah, and I've been to the A and B location in Boone, and it's a really nice little spot. It's not super large. They've got some outdoor seating and a neat little tap room, and uh, obviously a lot more selections available on on draft. But it'll be cool to see if their tap room is going to be larger scale. Um, but all things considered, they've only been operating since 2011. So mm-hmm. at the time when they were doing this partnership with the uh, the CBA and then got acquired by Anheuser Busch, I mean they were still pretty young as a oh, craft yeah. brewery. So I think it's kind of cool that they use the opportunity of being you know, owned by a larger beer distribution company. They learned and they grew as, you know, brewers and as uh, owners. And they decided, hey, we've got what it takes now, I think, to branch out, have some autonomy in our business, maintain our independence, and do what's right by our shareholders, by our customers. Um, and they're, you know, like, they, like you said, they're grateful for what they got from the experience. And it may have been the best thing for them to honestly have been able to kind of go under the wing of a large distribution company. Mm -hmm. We kind of bag on big beer, but I mean, they know what they're doing as far as marketing and sales and getting beer into the hands of customers. Yeah. Making those decisions to, you know, help your bottom line and uh, get beer to customers. So, uh, and they, they're constantly checking the pulse of consumers. So they probably learned a lot of good lessons that are going to be valuable to them going forward. And uh, it'll be exciting to see their growth and, and definitely with a new taproom coming up in, Mm-hmm. mills river we'll have to go out west again we yeah. were just out there <laughs> yeah we were actually but uh unfortunately it was not in
0: development yet no and pretty cool stuff uh you can't forget amb is not only amb but they are also amc and they make cider as well cidery which i forget because <laughs> sometimes I i'll see, see it, it, it and be yeah. like oh hang on because it's a pretty similar logo but just c instead of b
1: amc not the
0: theater <laughs> yeah exactly American movie classics.
1: <laughs> Nicole Kidman has to do an ad for Appalachian Mountain Saturday. Oh my
0: gosh. That is the worst. We come
1: to this place for
0: adventure. <laughs> to be enthralled by the sale of the screen. Her accent is so she, weird in it though, because yeah. it's like she's trying to like hide her accent, but like let a little bit of it slip through. Um, I don't know. If it you comes have on if you've off. been if you're listening, if you've been to an AMC theater lately, that like little intro piece that she does there. It just—I don't know—something about it just drives me nuts every time I see it. Yeah. But hey, five dollar movie nights though—you yeah, can't miss I mean, it.
1: You can't miss Tuesday, or yeah, the discount Tuesdays at AMC. Pretty nice. Yeah. So yeah, we just mentioned or alluded to being out in Western North Carolina mm-hmm. recently. So we uh, got the fortune to go to Asheville again recently. Joe and I had a concert mm-hmm. on one of uh, the previous Saturdays. And of course, we hit up some of our favorites in Asheville. Mm-hmm. Got to a few breweries leading up to our concert that Saturday evening, and uh, notably, something that stood out was our our first stop of the day after brunch. We went to Dissolver, which is oh yeah always a must when you're in Asheville. I think they make fantastic beer, really good vibe. Got the uh, God, what's that? Was that pose of the pyramid? They were doing the squat pose, yeah. like
0: pyramid, like hands together squatting it's like an illuminati great. squatty yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah they definitely have like that that illuminati type of vibe but uh
0: yeah triangles great. all over it. yeah. yeah it's pretty cool it's like kind of a, almost like a metal type vibe yeah. but they don't like play like metal music in it so it's very interesting you know you got like the grime art with like everything like melty, yeah. and, drippy yeah. and like Grimy. all that stuff triangles with eyeballs everywhere is pretty cool
1: yeah the decor is just off the walls but
0: and also some slapping beer.
1: Yeah, that's the main thing. Really, it's <laughs> like the vibe's cool, but the the beer is fantastic. And uh, so we got up there, and right away you knew what you were talking about when you went up there, and you saw that they had what they were calling a milk pour mm-hmm. on draft. And I honestly didn't, <laughs> I wasn't paying any attention. I was like, I'm gonna, get a, I'm getting a Kolsch. Like I, I didn't really pay, t- pay mm-hmm. attention to what you were ordering, but then they poured it and handed it to you, and I was like. Man, they messed that beer up. Like, <laughs> you got a glass of foam, buddy, and you're like, "Oh yeah, they got a milk pour." And I was, again, I was like, "I don't know
0: what the it's heck like, well, is you a want a glass pour? of milk? Yeah. or a dissolver? You little baby, you want a glass you of little
1: milk? Little baby, put, a, some milk? put in a bottle for
0: you. Baby, but a milk. but
1: uh, yeah, then uh, see so, yeah, you got me uh, thinking about it. And you kind of explained a little bit about the milk pour, and so I had to get one for myself just to try it. Um, we'll probably slap a photo up for this yeah. post for this episode, but uh, yeah. So milk pour, it's uh Really interesting thing. Uh, we thought we'd kind of talk about that, but also go from there and and talk about other traditional pouring methods or styles from like the Czech Czech Republic for the Czech history, history of Czech beer. Places. Yeah. And as you know, like the Czech Republic is the highest, or well, I guess it's most beer consumed per capita in the oh, world. Oh yeah, so. Yeah. I mean, they, they basically just people drink beer. Like Which I have got to gotta go there. I mean, like, <laughs>
0: apparently, like, beer is just, like, part of the culture there. And they talk about, like, parks and, like, playgrounds. There's just, like, somebody selling beer. like at the playground. <laughs> yeah. Hey, just, kid, you want a beer? You want a beer? I mean, for the parents. But, like, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the children did, too. But, yeah, so uh, milk pours or maliko, as it's called, is one of the many ways and... Uh, interesting styles that they serve Czech pilsners in order to give them, like, different flavors and for, for different yeah. type occasions, you know. I was, we uh, came across, you know, four main ones, uh, Maliko being, one, the most foamy. Then you had Schniet, which was kind of a smaller beer poured into a large glass with a, a good amount of foam on top. Then the Ladinka, which has still a, a you know, Good third of foam on top. And then, what was that last one? The Chuckton. 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 Yes, which is more of a less, like, less foam, sort of a neat or a British style pour for the Pilsner. Yeah. Uh, each having their own, you know, unique kind of flavors and carbonation and brightness associated with them. Uh, so, pretty cool topic to look into, you know, because you're basically exploring one beer. But just a whole bunch different of ways different of ways of pouring to express different flavors. Um, yeah, and yeah. as you can tell by our first beer, you know, pilsners are on are on game today. So yeah. we actually have another <laughs> one lined up here.
1: Yeah, when we when we knew we were talking about this today, it's so like I've got to get some Czech pilsners, and I actually, so I actually got the all times, Hopfly uh, New Zealand pilsner as well from Driver Street, because so they they always have a good stock of pilsners. I feel like again. Because craft beer styles have trended so heavily in favor of like IPAs mm-hmm. and a lot of sour ales, a lot of even like bottle shops and at the grocery store, you're, you're finding your craft beer section is like heavily diluted with those styles. And so mm-hmm. finding like a craft Pilsner or lager is not as easy to find unless it's like a Sam Adams or something like yeah, that, yeah. Um, like a Boston lager. But anyway, so yeah, I went to Jarvis and um, I actually was looking for a Czech Pilsner and I found the... New Zealand-style Pilsner by accident, and that was a happy accident. So now we're trying this Czech Pilsner from Raleigh Brewing called Moravian Rhapsody. And from what I know of Raleigh Brewing Company, I've had a lot of their brews just because they're so accessible. Uh, very high-quality beer. Mm-hmm. And Lars from Jarvis Street actually talked really highly of this, so I'm excited because I take any recommendation from him with the utmost confidence.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's give it a crack. Oh, Ooh, yeah.
1: For a second, I thought we were like synchronized. But we were I,
0: in unison with the initial crack. And
1: then the tabs were a little bit off.
0: But Then I was a little slow on my pull. So I'm going to give it a heavy pour. I'm going to try to generate a lot of head.
1: I'll do like maybe a half. I'll do like maybe a, a, a schnitt. <laughs> a half beer, half foam.
0: Yeah, I've definitely got a little bit heavier. I mean, it's not the same type of foam that would be on a Maliko, but I've got a good, yeah. you know, half a glass full of foam on here.
1: That's what was interesting to me was in my mind when I see a glass full of foam, I'm like, wow, it's just, they just released all that CO2 and it's just going to be bubbly and like, it's basically going to be wispy and nothing. But in this traditional style in tr- or pouring method of making a milk pour or Maliko pour, it actually is wet foam as they call it is to define it as yeah. wet foam and it's actually you drink the foam and you want to drink the foam before the beers you actually have the beer dissipated and or the the foam dissipated so uh, it's really interesting because you don't do that when you get a foamy beer in most cases you're like i have got
0: let this foam die down. yeah you can't even like drink it because yeah. the foam just kind of sticks in place whereas with those it like you can actually drink the foam
1: and it's it's bitter it has no yeah. good quality to it whereas the milk pour or the malika will kind of go back and forth. Uh, It actually has a lot of sweetness to it. It adds a different, like you said, a different flavor to the Pilsner itself versus if you have it poured as more of a uh, kind of a 50, 50 or a traditional pour. Like the Mm -hmm. uh, Hladinka is kind of more of just like 20 to 30% foam on top and the rest of it, the rest of the body is just like your normal beer port. So yeah. um, Interesting that you actually are trying to, race and like finish that foam while it's still there.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just try to get it down as fast as you can before it all turns into beer. Uh, the only way we could have made this more authentic with a, a Czech Pilsner was if we got some Pilsner Raquel.
1: <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I thought about trying to get some. Cause I think you can get those from the grocery store sometime.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen them lately. I was I was trying to keep an eye out for them, but I haven't seen any lately. Uh, be but... nice to have some of them for that.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah uh,
0: this is pretty good, though. It's a Czech
1: Pilsner, like you said. Uh, it's got... A slight haste to it. It's really dull, like straw gold color. Um, like really dull. And it's pretty light. It, I mean, it's mostly see through, but it does have a bit of a, like a haze to it.
0: Which I, yeah, I found interesting. It's got a little haze to it because typically we're talking about a clear beer, right? Yeah. For a Pilsner. Yeah.
1: I mean, definitely light is passing through, no problem. But um, yeah, so. We're unable to really replicate the pouring techniques just because we're pouring out of a can. But, you know, in the Czech Republic, people at the different pubs and bars and breweries, you know, they're able to adjust their pour Mm -hmm. based on how you want it served. And
0: uh, Yeah, coming out of the side pour taps. Side pour. Is another thing like, you know, you think of a traditional tap with the tap handle, you know, long reaching up and you pull it forward to you. The side pour taps that they use for these types of beers have the handle on the side and you literally pull it towards you. Like instead of a tilting motion, you're pulling it more on a horizontal plane. Uh, And that like gives them a little bit more control over the the amount of foam they can generate by just cracking the, you know, the tap open versus like cranking it all the way open, which you think about a traditional draft beer pour, right? You want to, open that handle all the way. Right. Immediately get it open, you know, get some generate a good, you know, inch of foam on top. But you're not going too crazy. But with these guys, it just makes thick, dense foam. I was actually watching one of the Pilsner Urquell videos on YouTube made me extremely thirsty by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but they talked about using a mix of nitrogen and carbon dioxide yeah. to push the beer to give it a more creamy, smooth texture. And that's what it
1: almost looked like at first when you got that uh, milk pour at Dissolver, but it didn't have that cascading effect as like a nitro beer would where that frothy head actually has, it almost looks like a meringue at, in, in some way. This foam that you get from the Malico is, is somewhere in between in, in appearance. It's, it's not that light kind of superficial foam you get from a heavy pour out of a bottle or a can. It's also not as whipped and dense I think as a nitro but it is a wet foam. Yeah. Um like you said it's just it's all about the control and so um I think it's really interesting that you can just adjust something as simple as how you pour the same beer out of a tap and then you get a very different product. Um so yeah, I think we can kind of like maybe talk about a little bit of the uh stylings and like what to expect? We kind of mentioned the Malika already. Is it's a wet foam? It's like the the glass is full of foam, and it's supposed to kind of resemble a glass of milk. Mm-hmm. Um, notable attributes are, of course, the the mouthfeel is going to be different. It's that wet foam that you're drinking. It's not going to be like you're drinking the beer itself. But also, there's a sweetness that people talk about. Yeah. I guess I didn't pick on pick up on that a ton with the one we had. Mm-hmm. Um, that Pilsner we had a dissolver, but um, it definitely changes what you typically see from like a dry Czech Pilsner to bring it a little bit sweeter. And uh, a video I watched, uh, from some tour guide who was kind of traveling to the Czech Republic and he was talking with a, a bartender about the different styles. Uh, the bartender in the Czech Republic said that the Maliko pour is pretty popular with women because it is sweeter. Um, not to be, you know, I don't know if he was trying to wow, poke fun at that guy, but, uh, he said, you know, that one tended to be more popular with Czech women just because Yeah. Uh, I'm also right. It's, it's more it's dry. popular with
0: like non-beer drinkers as well. Oh, I could see that. And yeah. uh also as a nightcap, you know, often as a as a last beer before you go home, I saw a lot of mm-hmm. that too. Like or a lunchtime beer. <laughs> yeah. And I <laughs> yeah. saw something that is like um I guess it was on the Pilsner Kell website talking about their, you know, their uh, you know, beer pourers. They basically sometimes when they end a shift or whatever, they'll Pour a round of Malikos uh, for people to enjoy. For the shift beer. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, and that way you're not getting too, too slosh before you drive home.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, I just drank a bunch of beer. You know how I don't be too drunk to drive? I'll just drink another beer, but I'll just trick myself that it's all foam.
1: Yeah. And
0: <laughs> there's a,
1: an article from atlasobscura.com where they, they actually mentioned how. People are skeptical, like especially tourists coming to the Czech Republic, and they see a mliko pour for the first time. They're really skeptical about trying it because to them, and like it did for me, it resembles a poorly a poorly poorly poured beer. Mm-hmm. Um, poorly, poured. poorly poured beer, and you have to kind of get over that skepticism and go for it because um, a lot of them are saying that, uh, notably, while drinking the foam of that pour style. You don't get that like emptiness that you would get from drinking foam off of just a a, a beer that was poorly poured, and that foam is just kind of like I said, superficial yeah. and wispy, and it's just or it's bitter and dry, and you don't get anything out of it. Whereas the Malico ports, uh, like I said, it's sweet. It's got some body. It's got some texture.
0: Yeah, and I think it's just the wet density of the foam.
1: Yeah, and it holds, and it actually lasted quite a while. I know they kind of encourage you to drink it quicker because you want to consume it while it's still into that that consistency because it will dissipate and become a normal looking beer mm-hmm. after a
0: certain amount of time but but it does persist for quite some time it takes a while to cascade out and oh yeah and foam down so
1: we were able to snag a few pictures of ours before uh it fully went away so yeah but uh i should have been just busy drinking
0: apparently <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh so which one do you want to talk about next you want to jump to the the schneet
1: oh yeah the schneet
0: the Schneet is a funny one. Uh, Schneet. I find it funny because <laughs> they talked about it a lot in the context of people like wanting to have another beer, but with lower alcohol content, or they wanted another beer, but they didn't want the shame of ordering a small beer. <laughs> so, oh, so, the, so it's like a pride thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like the Schneet is a is a small beer poured in a big glass with a lot of foam and uh and some some beer, so it's it's not quite a milk pour, but it's got still you know a good amount of beer and then a good amount of foam. But there's still like yeah. an inch of empty space at the top of the glass, so you could kind of trick people into thinking like, oh, I had a full beer. I didn't have didn't have a small pour. I'm I'm I can do it. I'm no no uh, wimp. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, what's interesting to me is that the volume of a Malico pour is not that high either, and so I guess maybe if they're just not a big fan of the the sweetness of a mm-hmm. they are they are wanting to do something similar to the Hladinka, but without the volume. That's yeah, that's probably the route they're going. It's kind of that fifty-fifty mix. It's a sweet spot, but uh, yeah, it is funny because I'm sure I'm sure in the Czech Republic there is a bit of like ego fluffing when it comes to drinking <laughs> beer. Like you want only be seen as a weak beer drinker. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah,
0: especially if it's so embedded in the culture. Like to be like, oh, I only want a little beer. And it's like, come on, you need to drink a beer.
1: Yeah. Because it, you know, like I said, it's going to tone down that sweetness quite a bit, but um, yeah, it's, apparently it was actually a really traditional old-fashioned mm-hmm. method that just for a while wasn't quite as popular, but as recently in the last few decades has really kind of resurfaced in the Czech Republic. Yeah. And maybe part of it was, is it fell out of style because people were just going to the full pours and yeah. over-consuming out of a sense of... uh ego but you know now they're kind of maybe maybe being a little bit more reasonable so mm-hmm. but yeah that, to me it's like I'd rather just do a, a small pour without the extra foam yeah yeah but uh but again you know the way that they pour the foam is not quite the same it's not one-to-one to the no. the foam that we'd get here like if we're getting head on a, a beer here in the states it's typically just fluff that i mm-hmm. just want to go away
0: <laughs> yeah yeah you want to have it there to dissipate the aromas and you like need it for a little while but you don't want to be drinking it right uh, consistently I
1: so it's like a hef hefe center, or any kind of like vice beer like i do enjoy like a prominent head um you really do get a lot of nice aromas there but um you know when we get our ipas and things here like a lot of ipas even even just some lagers you get here like you get maybe an inch or less of foam I feel like a lot of IPAs when I get them, I have very little foam on top. There's just not a lot of head, which is fine because to me, it's all about the glassware at that point when you're getting that kind of style. But with something like a lager, the the glassware does help like having a Pilsner glass. But I think also, like you mentioned with the the way they pour it and get that additional head retention to elevate the aroma, that is a super helpful component of that style because like the lager by itself is really hard to pick up on complexities in the aroma without some additional guidance from like having a really nice pilsner glass and having a prominent head so you kind of get get that uh elevation without having all that like wasted head it's actually like head that you can enjoy which is pretty special because or pretty unique we just don't have you don't see that a lot here in the united states as far as having Mm -hmm. the
0: Appropriate tap to, to yeah to accommodate that. I just, i'm Just laughing, <laughs> getting head. You enjoy. <laughs> oh God. Oh. I had to say it. We've been saying it too much. Uh, yeah, and interesting. Another thing about the taps that they poured from. You know, usually when you when you look up beer serving and whatnot, you you don't want to touch like the tap faucet oh, to the glass, yeah. and you don't want to to dip the tap faucet into the beer but with the way their taps are set up and it's like almost how you pour the beer. Like that's the style is like, you put it straight in the bottom of the glass, you pour some foam and then maybe you pour the beer underneath the foam. If you're doing like a Hladinka or a yeah. Schneet, you want to, you know, generate some foam at the, at first, which is contrary to what we do, which is pour the beer and, and generate the foam at the end. But they're like forming the foam first and then shifting to the beer being poured. So very interesting. Uh, to see them like dip the whole tap faucet straight into the glass and then ride it up under the beer.
1: Yeah. I noted that too. When I was watching, uh, I don't know if it was a Pilsner Urquell video or it was from this other channel. I think it was a, a docu series called the honest guide. They travel around, but yeah, I noticed that the technique of pouring underneath the foam was really interesting to me because while it makes sense to me, I also was having the same reaction, like, get the tap out of the beer. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> what are you
0: doing? You're contaminating.
1: But, uh, yeah, hopefully they're pretty good about cleaning oh, their imagine, taps. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, like, they traditionally serve, like, one beer anyway. It's just... That's yeah, the other it's thing. it's not is, like you're you, mixing you, them. Yeah. You're ordering a beer, and then you're just like, how do you want it poured? Yeah. Um,
0: it's all the same beer and everything, so, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, that's... Yeah, you know, the schnitz is kind of... Right in the middle. And then you get, like you, you mentioned already, the Hodinka. It's kind of that more traditional step up. It's a full pour. Mm-hmm. You get that same kind of prominent head, but it's not nearly as prominent as you would get with a Schniet because it's an actual full beer pour. It's not masking it by <laughs> yeah. adding more foam to kind of make Cover it look it more full. Yeah. Um, but you still get a pretty nice collar of foam. and. It's also one that's pretty persistent, so you'll still get some of those aromatics off off the top there, and uh, and it'll be too something I didn't think about, but the sort of viscosity of that foam that is traditional with these check pores, it actually allows for sort of like a barrier from oxygen getting into mm-hmm. the beer, and so that uh, I think allows it to kind of prevent any kind of like premature yeah like oxidation of the beer, which I mean, generally, if you're drinking beer fast and if you don't have to worry about it, but it does kind of provide you that extra level of comfort. Bit,
0: yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it gives you a nice little hermetic seal atop the beer. But yeah, the Hildenka is kind of, you know, thinking of a, just a general traditional pour. I mean, still a lot of foam compared to, you know, IPA standards or, you know, U.S. beer standards that you would see. It's probably like a third to a little less than a third of foam mm-hmm. and then the rest beer in a full pour glass. So kind of just like the normal pour style normal. per se. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least for them, it's
1: normal. Yeah. yeah. I think for here, people would be like, uh, there's too much foam in this beer.
0: Hey, so foam. You ripped me off, man.
1: College kids would do the old uh, nose grease nose trick. Grease. And f- oh, dude, I can't get by. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that one, for some reason, grossed me out. Even though it's like, it's your own nose grease. Yeah. It's on your face. I just something about it. And I'm like,
1: I never understood the science behind how that actually worked. And I don't know if it even requires you to wipe your nose. Like, what if you just... What Stick if the oil on your finger itself oil, just, yeah. like... Well, that's... And it is all the, foam.
0: all the oil. Lipids are the enemy of, of beer foam. Because they uh, break up that surface tension that creates uh, the bubbles. So, they're like... Just the oil. Mm-hmm. More
1: oil. The better. So, just do do a dollop of olive oil in there and then boom. Yeah. And that's why it's right like important surface. to have
0: clean glasses and whatnot. Because yeah. if you got, like... Glasses have oils and stuff on them, like, it can cru- cause the head to be dissipated extremely quickly. Yeah. So,
1: And also just looks gross. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It looks yeah. gross and, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate places that actually look at glasses before they pour into them. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just something, it's easy to forget, but definitely appreciate it when people take the time to do that.
0: Nothing worse than a dirty glass pouring a beer.
1: Yeah. Well, and so, like, as we kind of go back into the different like, tiers of these pouring methods, the traditional Czech pouring methods, you would go from a full glass of foam, talked about it being like really sweet compared to the, the methods where there's less head retention or less head formed from the pour, like the schneet and the hodinka. Those are going to be less sweet, more of that kind of true Pilsner flavor. It's going to be that kind of dry Czech Pilsner flavor you're familiar with uh, but still maintaining maintaining a good balance and so I think those three are probably the most common for especially mm-hmm. the locals the you know the the native Czech drinkers they're gonna order one of those styles but there is another option that we saw that kind of stood out to me because I think it's not super common amongst the Czech Republic but people that come as like tourists may, Mm -hmm. Maybe more comfortable ordering this one. That's the Choctin. It is basically a still-looking beer. There's like no head. They purposely try to pour with zero head formed. And it looks maybe appealing to people that are scared of a a, a really foamy beer. But by doing so, it becomes almost overly bitter. Mm -hmm. Because you're not releasing some of that CO2. You're not getting that foam to kind of elevate, to lift it, to kind of add some sweetness, some, some complexity that you get from pouring it with either the Mlico, the Schneed, or the Ladinka. So the Choctin is like one that most people are just really averse to drinking because it's kind of like an English bitter style in a way, like it's an homage to what you would get from like uh, a pub in England where it's just a, an English bitter kind of a, a style beer where the hops are just taking over it's really dry there's not a lot of sweetness there's not a lot of balance from the malt where you get a reprieve from that bitterness and so I don't think I'd be in favor of that and I think just because I'm also not opposed to trying you know if I went to the Czech Republic I'd be like how is it traditionally served I want to try that but for those that are maybe a little more reserved they have that option as a, a method of pouring and um, from what I've understood of yeah <laughs> people's tasting of it is it's not very good. <laughs> uh, but they do pour it that way. If yeah. you do prefer to have a beer that's just minimal head, and you, you know, if, that's, if that's how you think a good beer should be poured, yeah. you can ask for it, but uh, you're going to get what you ask
0: for as far as like taste and aroma. Mm-hmm. Beer's better with head. But I don't know why you'd be scared of, of a little foamy little beer. It's like a little cloud on top. It's just a little cloud. It's it's just a little just pillow guy sitting there. The little, a yeah? little mustache, little foam little mustache. A little foamy mustache on there. What's wrong with that? Don't be scared.
1: Yeah. Plus, like, I mean, this has probably been mentioned on our podcast multiple times. We've referenced uh, like proper beer pouring techniques. Uh, You don't want to have no head. Like, you don't you don't want to try to avoid head by having a a really like conservative pour, because then you're just gonna consume all that CO2 and you're gonna be so so burpy and bloated.
0: Bloated. I'm sure you've all probably seen the viral videos going around of basically them pouring a beer super carefully so mm-hmm. there's no foam and then sticking a napkin in it and it like explodes over with uh foam and then like a, a nice aggressive pour sticking the napkin in it, and nothing happens like it's true that's what happens so if you want to not be bloated and you know burping all night and feeling really full
1: give it a nice firm pour yeah
0: get a nice ladinka
1: get a, ni- <laughs> get a nice ladinka
0: <laughs> next time you go to
1: your local brewery ask them to pour it in a Heladinka method and see if they roll their eyes at you or <laughs> if they know what you're talking about. they would be like, what? What?
0: <laughs> what did you just say to me? I'm just going to pour it. What are you talking about? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So I, if you see the opportunity like we did, we were lucky that we happened to be at Dissolver when they mm-hmm. were offering a couple different Maliko pours. It was my first one. I don't know if that was your first one, but...
0: No, I actually had one. I had seen... I had read about it a little bit and then... When uh, Lauren and I were out in Montana, oh. in Bozeman, we went to this brewery that was really cool. It's called Shred Monk. Uh, Shred Monk. Their like <laughs> philosophy was, it was really cool. It was like they were like you know, low ABV beers where they're like their specialty, so nothing really crested okay. like five percent. Yeah. And they had a Milk Pour Czech Pilsner, and I was like, sign me up. The other beauty about Milk Pours is they're usually cheap. Like that Dissolver Milk Pour. Was look three bucks. I mean, you're getting a lot less beer, yeah, because <laughs> it's a lot of foam. But still, you're like, yeah, I, mean, I had thirty beers yesterday. I'm fine. But I feel it's, great. I just drank a bunch of foam.
1: Yeah, and it, like I said, it's, it's been around for forever. I mean, it's a, a very traditional method of you know all these methods are traditional in the Czech Republic. So it's nothing new. It's just I feel like it hasn't really caught on here in the states. Not a lot of places are equipped to do that. You know, you do have to kind of have a, a certain tap. To, to be able to accommodate the, the kind of carefulness and mm-hmm. the technique of pouring, you know, from the Maliko to the Hadinka, so
0: technique, technique, Squidward, technique.
1: <laughs> yeah, so definitely, if you see one, check it out. You won't be disappointed. I don't. I don't think you'll
0: not enjoy it, but
1: you might be surprised to find that you yeah. really enjoy it.
0: Yeah, um, try the same beer back to back, milk pour and then normal pour. That's what we should have done when we were there. Yeah, I I didn't about do it. that, but
1: yeah. should have yeah. got one of each, like a regular pour and then a Malico pour, and just tasted them side by mm-hmm.
0: side. We only had a couple there because we had a long day of drinking ahead of yeah. us. We went uh, from there. Where'd we go? Burial, or did we go to uh, somewhere else first?
1: I think we went to
0: Burial because it was the farthest out, Burial. and then, yeah, we kind of worked up to Burial. Solid choice. If you're in Asheville, check oh, out Burial. Burial. Great. Yeah, I had that uh, fantastic saison there. Really love that one. I can't remember what the name of it was because it was so frickin' long. Burial with their names. But that was my favorite beer of the weekend. It was entitled To Find Your Freedom Within the Cosmos. That was great.
1: Mm, I think my favorite of the weekend might have been either The Dream Huntress, which was a hazy IPA. Mm. From Burial.
0: Also from Burial, yeah.
1: Uh... Actually, that might have been it. I did really enjoy the uh, the Kolsch I had too. I had a Kolsch before we had the German pilsner where they did the um uh, Yeah, that I think was pretty it was just good. kind of that also struggling to start the day. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes those first beers of the day they're a little rough, but
0: yeah. But, uh, Get yeah. some brunch, brunch boys. Some brunch boys. Got some bloodies. spicy bloodies. Spicy bloodies at brunch for the boys, and for then the boy. you know made our way over spicy to the Spicy bloody dissolve. boys. Yeah, that was good. That was a good, uh, good little jaunt out to Asheville there. Oh, yeah. We'll have to go back and get some more Malikos. Mm-hmm. You know what I see sitting on the table in front of us right here? Elsie's Pick of the Week. She may not be here, but her pick's here. She picked a beer for us, and we need to get tasting glasses real oh, quick. yeah, we do. <laughs> All right, and we're back. Elsie's Pick of the Week here. Uh, I guess I'll pour them if you want to. Assume the position from, you know, quick, quick look. So Elsie conceals this for us in a Frost Buddy 2.0 uh, koozie, universal koozie. <laughs> so I can't tell if it's a 16 ounce can or a 12 ounce can, uh, but I can see the top about quarter inch of the can and it is just plain silver. It's very nondescript. Could be anything. So let's crack it open and see.
1: All right, I'm going to try to shield my eyes a little bit. All right. All right, there you are, sir. Thank you. Hmm. Definitely some hop, hop aroma. Hop, hop, hop. Hip hop. And it's pretty piney too. It's like really resinous and bitter smelling. I'm not getting a lot of like citrus notes. Maybe maybe a touch of like stone fruit or something.
0: Yeah, I'm getting a ton of like. Reminds me of like if you take some hop pellets and. Rubbing between your hands or something, just very yeah. resinous, kind of piney, a little vegetal note. Sniff.
1: Ooh vegetal? That's a good word. Um, I almost got like a like a black tea or a green tea smell.
0: You know, I that is kind of something that's there. right? <laughs> it's like a little hidden. hidden a bit of green aroma. tea, maybe. All right. it smells good though. Hmm. Does have a little stone fruit taste to it. You yeah. can see that black tea element a little bit more. I don't know if I'd go crazy with like say it's black tea infused or anything like that, but I no. think it's just a hop <laughs> flavor.
1: Yeah, definitely like it's like tea leaf um and the aroma. The flavor yeah, definitely picking up on some some like stone fruit that's kind of kind of lifting the vegetal grassy notes of this beer. Kind of Making me wonder if this is, I'm
0: not sure this is like a West Coast IPA. Um, yeah. It kind of tastes like one, but it also has like a mild stone fruit mm. to it, but it doesn't look like a West Coast IPA, I will I say. I just
1: looked at it and it is pretty, pretty hazy boy. It's mm. a... It's like a glass of OJ almost. Yeah,
0: it's very hazy. It's got a, actually a pretty thick collar of persistent foam mm-hmm. that's sticking around here. Definitely going to say it was in a 16-ounce can based on the volume that poured out for us.
1: It's good. I'm liking it. I'm just trying to
0: place, place the style. It's it's definitely an IPA. I almost, I'm going to say a New England IPA... Uh, based off the appearance and there's like just a subtle hint of like melon or stone fruit associated with those hops. It's not super powerful though, but there is that piney resinous stuff that makes you think like maybe American West coast IPA, but I think it's like an attempt at a new England IPA, but nothing too like crazy or over the top. Yeah.
1: Maybe there's some, I don't know. It could be like a dry hop or a double dry hop. Hazy, adding in a little bit more of that, like hop, vegetal character to kind of like mask the, the stone fruit. Hmm. Yeah, hazy feels like. I mean, based on appearance, I think that kind of swayed me that way. I probably would have gone to West Coast if I had just not looked at it at all. But
0: oh, geez. You know, I, there's a reason why there's a reason why we're saying some of those flavors that we think. I think we may have both had this beer before. I know I think I have for sure. Did you see what it says? No, I I couldn't really see the name. Alright, what do you think? Um What's your final style guess?
1: You know what? Maybe I'll maybe I'll go maybe I'll go double IPA. Just kinda of, I don't know. I'm gonna check and see if you've had this before. I'm gonna go double IPA. That's, oh, I think like I'm not leaning towards checked it in, but West Coast or Hazy in particular, just a double IPA. It's got a nice balance of grassy, vegetal, res- resinous hops with some notes of stone fruit and
0: melon. So, this beer is Sloop Brewing. Oh, Sloop. Mosaic Bomb New England IPA. Uh, That's New England. Nice call. Uh, and I think that Mosaic was throwing us off a little bit. You know, because if it's heavily mosaic, you know, you're not, it's a little bit different of a flavor. You know, you're thinking more yeah. of that resinous piney, sometimes catty kind of a flavor to it. Uh, but yeah, so this is from Sloop Brewing in Hopewell Junction, New York. Yeah, and we're we're pretty close. We're pretty, pretty close on there.
1: Yeah, you uh, stayed clear of the uh, West Coast IPA, kind of right of the ship for us. So
0: brought us back to the NEPA. It's a nice 6.5%, nothing too crazy. Uh, and it even says on here, the Sloop Bomb Series, exploring the hazy, juicy, and unique flavors of hop, varietals, and combinations. So, very cool.
1: Yeah. Nice way to round it out. We, ne- we started the day with the all-times New Zealand-style pilsner from Hopfly Brewing Company.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Went into the Moravian Rhapsody from Raleigh Brewing Company, which is a Czech pilsner. And then we ended up with a Sloop Mosaic Bomb hazy ipa so
0: yeah too bad she didn't give us a pilsner <laughs> yeah that would have been really funny honestly it's wouldn't surprise me because nope. we
1: kind of have had that happen before but
0: yeah yeah but over pretty fun episode yeah. i liked
1: uh kind of getting into the pilsner games we i feel like i'm just i'm really into pilsners right now and just like mm-hmm. lagers in general
0: i feel like we've had that point in our craft beer journey where we're like i want lagers and pilsners <laughs> <laughs> i feel like it's always like you know IPA, IPA, IPA. I don't know. Mine was more of like stouts, porters, you know, than IPAs, 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 and then some sours mixed in there. Not I never was super crazy with a sour game, but then I'm just hitting into that, the lager gang, which I think, you, lager know, gang. you know, happens a lot. Become a pilsner boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Buy I've, that pin.
1: I had a, uh, a Schwartz beer in Asheville. I had, um, recently I've had a Vienna lager. I've had... Czech Pilsner, German Pilsner, American Lager. I mean, I've just kind of have been gravitating towards those. I think it's a nice breakup because you have those. And it kind of just reminds you like why you got into beer. I didn't get into beer because of the the hop wars. I didn't get into beer because of tangy, tart, citrusy, sour beers. It was just like, I like drinking beer. And this is like, I think these styles kind of remind me of that. But they're they're so much better than the beers that I started drinking when I was, you know, in college and like, oh yeah, drinking age. So yeah. it's just nice to kind of come full circle. You know, like I said, we we've had the the inky jet black stouts, those barrel aged sixteen percent beers, these yeah. crazy barley wines and everything, and it's just like imperial IPAs, yeah. all this stuff. Like, and those are all great. I'll still drink those, but it's just nice to kind of come come too- home to the, the simple. Yeah, the simple but yet simple ricks. Yeah, simple, <laughs> simple ricks. Have a simple pilsner. They're simple, but they're not simple to make, really. Because oh no, we like, talked to this. Is yeah. like you really have to master your craft of brewing to make a good.
0: The technically water. hardest beers to brew. Yeah,
1: you will not hide anything if you
0: fudge up. Yeah. So. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. Is that? I guess. I guess I was going to ask what you learned, but I guess that's kind of what you learned. I kind of just yeah. I you're you a Pilsner it. boy. I'm a Pilsner boy. <laughs> He's a Pilsner Hashtag boy. Pilsner Hashtag boy. Pilsner boy. Hashtag uh, Pilsner boy. Yeah. And what did I learn? I learned that you know if you order a schneet, you're not a piece of sheet. That's <laughs> what I gotta say. <laughs> you're just a regular guy wants a small just pour, a but he wanted a big glass. Your manhood's not in question. You're you're still every you bit know, of a man. I want a small pour, but in a big glass. I want yeah. to feel big. I want to be big. How big? I'm a schneet boy. boy. I'm a shneety. We'll see if that takes off the schneet boy movement. (laughs) Shneet boy. Schneet boy gang. It's like short kings. (laughs) Schneet boys. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, I guess on that note, we can uh, wrap things up. Thanks for joining us for episode number 57 of Secondary Fermentation. Uh, Make sure that you reach out to us on our socials on Instagram at East Carolina Beer, Facebook East Carolina Beer and Brewing twitter at east beer hit us up on gmail if you want to send you know some beers or you want to just generally inquire with us we're at east Carolina beer at gmail.com and you know make sure you leave a nice five-star review maybe a little story about how our podcast has touched your lives changed your life for the better you know we'd love to hear that uh, otherwise yeah. you know <laughs> otherwise don't write anything at all we don't want to hear about anything else just how we've just enhanced your life and uh, with that, cheers. Cheers.